Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. It's good to be back. We got back from Columbia on Wednesday. We were supposed to get in Tuesday and had a layover. And uh, we got stuck in D.C. in the airport there all night. And, and uh, for the life of me, I honestly do not remember going through Chicago. I was in Chicago. I left Chicago. I don't remember Chicago. Laura said I talked to her from Chicago. I do not remember Chicago. So we were a little bit sleep deprived. Uh, we, were, we were sleep deprived going into Columbia. I think we did 29 services in five days. And uh, yeah, it was fun. And uh, God moved. It was wonderful. This is a church we've been to before. Some of you have been there with us. It's in a city called Tulawa. Uh, it's a, there's a church there, uh, River of Life Church. Uh, just a wonderful church. The first time we were ever there, we were there for one night, and we walked in late uh, because we had drove in from some other services. The place was packed. They were in worship, and I looked at Christopher like, oh, my goodness, I love this place. There was such an open heaven in this church, and healings just began to break out during they just began to break out with all people laying hands on people, a lot of dramatic healings, and so they asked us to come back Three or four years ago, I don't really remember. Uh, Christopher's not here to correct me. Uh, but uh, So we went back to Tulawa and did a pastor's conference. And it was really fun because now this time, you know, we, we know some of the people. And, and uh, many of them were coming up. And do you remember praying for us? And I didn't remember it. But uh, there, one, there was one girl. 11, she was 11 years old last time we were there. And uh, she had lost all use of her legs. Uh, well, at least mostly use of her legs, and they were, they were saying that she was going to be wheelchair-ridden. It was starting to make its way up her body. I don't know what the diagnosis was, but she had given up on, on ever walking again. Her mom and dad were in the process of getting a wheelchair, and they carried her into the last night of service, and she came up to Christopher and said, do you remember me? And he said, no, and uh, she had shared that he had prayed for her really quick, and then we left. And uh, she was completely healed. She's still run she's running around, a vibrant young woman. And uh, there was another gal that, that had a tumor. And uh, she, she asked if I remember praying for her. And I, after she told the story, I vaguely remember the conversation. But I am sure I didn't say what she thought I said. Now, I don't know if you blame that on the Lord or on the interpreter or what. But... Uh, she had, she had bitterness towards her father, and that, that wouldn't be uncommon, you know, praying for her. And I told her, you need to find your dad, and you need to go and uh, tell him you love him. You need to chase him down, rectify that relationship. And I told her that your healing will be contingent upon your obedience. And then she said, I said this, and this is the part I don't think I said, because I can't imagine saying this, but she said, you told me if I don't deal with this, I will die of this tumor. Now, that would not be something I would... Now, okay... Anyway, the fear of God was on her. She went, found her dad, chased him down, told, you know, apologized. She said in 15 days, the tumor just dissolved. It was totally, and so she was totally healed and just a lot of, uh, so there was a lot of wonderful healings this time. There was a, uh, just many, many healings. There was a, a guy uh, lost his hearing in his ear four years ago, completely deaf and uh, instantly healed and uh, just a lot of wonderful things. A lot of people touched, families the part that really touched me, I, there's one family in the church, the whole family, mom and dad, 
Dad had a dream about Italy, and so they're heading to Italy. They're going to go as missionaries. He, in the dream, he was, the Lord was discussing with them this city in Italy, told them the name of it. He saw the site, so he pulled it up on Google, and sure enough, everything he saw in his dream is there. So he knows, it's on, we're going to Italy. But his kids were so hardened and so bitter, uh, just, you know, they were struggling. They didn't want to, matter of fact, they were making it very obvious they didn't want to be in the conference. So uh, mom brought the, the daughter over and said, would you pray for my daughter? And I looked at her and I said, oh, you're not happy. Mom brought you over, are you? <laughs> no, you know, I just don't feel like I fit in here. And, and uh, anyway, long story short, by the end of the conference, this whole family was in a heap just wailing, just weeping, just restored. They said their kids look different. And uh, God's going to rock Italy with that family. And so... Uh, yeah, so it was, it was a fun time. It's good to be home. Glad to be home. And uh, Ed Hall is in uh, Ethiopia this morning. Be praying for him. He's still out there somewhere. Uh, Bonnie did hear from him once, right? It's twice. So she does know he's there. He made it. It was a few days. She had her doubts, but she did, word got back. He's there. So pray for him. That's a rough trip. And uh, so, but Ed, Ed, he's a war horse, man. He just goes in and, and does that stuff. So, all right, let's get into the word. We are in the middle of a series uh, on the Holy Spirit, a series on the Spirit of God. And uh, we've been looking at this. And really what I've been doing is just using that heading as an excuse to hit a whole bunch of things and, and saying that this is a, a series on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or on, on the Spirit of God. And so we're going to continue in that vein. I want to I touch on something this morning, and uh, I want to look at one particular thing. If you, if you look in Scripture, there are really three primary, for lack of a better term, impartations that we receive from the Holy Spirit. There are three primary things that we receive from him. You can look at it under these three headings, and under those headings there are a lot of subpoints, a lot of things you can unpack from those. But the three primary impartations that we receive from the Holy Spirit are wisdom, power, and love. Okay? Wisdom, power, and love. We see this reflected in Jesus' water baptism. Jesus went down in the water, he came up, and it says the heavens opened. That speaks of that wisdom. And I'll, I'll unpack that in a moment. That's the one we want to really focus on this morning because I feel like the Lord is inviting us into a time of wisdom. He really wants to release some wisdom to us as a house, as individuals, as families. And so we're going to look at that. The second one is power. The, the, the dove settled on Jesus. The, the Holy Spirit showed up in bodily form like a dove and settled on Jesus. That was the power from on high. And then we have love. The Father's affirming voice. You are my Son in whom I'm well pleased. And that Father's affirmation is the key. It is the foundation. Even though it's the final thing Jesus experienced there, it is the most important. It's the foundational. It's the foundation from which we, we build everything else. As a matter of fact, I would propose to you that the open heaven, the open door, the open communication between heaven and earth, what Jesus told Nathaniel, he said, you will see the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He's referring to Genesis 28 when Jacob had that dream. He had an encounter with God and he renamed this place Luz. He renamed it Bethel, the house of God. His encounter renamed a location. It began, it began to be referred to as the place of Jacob's encounter. And in that encounter, there was a ladder resting on the earth, reaching into heaven, and the angels ascending and descending on the ladder. And Jesus, in John chapter 2, refers to that and said, I am the ladder. The angels ascend and descend on me. 
the traffic between heaven and earth, that connection, that, 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 that communication line between heaven and earth is me. That's why Jesus said, no man comes to the Father but by me. And conversely, he could have very well said, the Father comes to no man but by me. Jesus is the ladder of access. And the angels ascended before they descended. These, these were angels assigned to that specific location. And those angels will bring our prayers up before the throne of God and bring revelation down from the throne of God. So there's open communication. That door, that's, that's what John experienced when he saw the Lord on the Lord's day in the book of Revelation. He said, on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I saw an open door and it said, come up here. It's speaking of that open heaven. This is a theme from Genesis to Revelation. We don't have time to get into. We've done a number of years ago, sometime in the last 50 years, I did a series on a theology of an open heaven. There's a theology of, there's, there's the open heaven as a place. God hungers for places to be an open heaven. There's a person as an open heaven. Jesus was a person of an open heaven. And you can be too. But there's also the people of the open heaven. When we gather, there, that things open, there's traffic. And so we, we have that picture. But that door that opened for the Apostle John, the beloved, that door opened because of what Jesus did. But the wedge that keeps the door open is the Father's affirmation when you are convinced of the love of God. It's not that God closes the door of access. It's that in our own minds we do. That's why Jude tells us to keep ourselves in the love of God. Understand that. That is, that is your responsibility to keep yourself in the love of God. Now that begs the question, why do I have to keep myself in something that Paul tells me nothing can separate me from? If nothing can separate me from the love of God, why do I have to keep myself in it? Because I have to keep my mind and my heart engaged. I have to practice the love of God. i got to remind myself. I've got to rehearse the Father's affirming voice. You are my son in whom I'm well pleased. Because I can disqualify myself, not from heaven's perspective, from but my own psychological perspective. I can give way to the accusations of the enemy and stand on the outer court when I'm welcome into the inner court. Does that make sense? And so it's your responsibility to practice the love of God, to keep yourself in the love of God. And I'm telling you that that truth, the love of God, your convinced heart is the wedge that keeps that door open. What keeps you having access to the Father from your perspective, not his, your perspective is being convinced that he loves you. That's why the enemy works overtime to accuse us and to keep us out of the presence of God because he knows if he can keep you out, then he can keep you from walking in who you are called to be. And so this Father's affirmation, the Father's love, you are my son, you are my daughter in whom I'm well pleased, that is the foundation to the Christian life. And so we've talked a lot. Matter of fact, this move of God we've all been enjoying for the last almost 25 years now that broke out in the mid-90s has been a, a move of the love of God. In Toronto, it was called the Father's Blessing. In Brownsville, it was called, it broke out on Father's Day. And that is not a coincidence. Matter of fact, there were many fathers in the face, faith, like Papa Jack, Taylor. He, he, he was saying that we had the Jesus movement. 
with the Jesus people movement. We had the outpouring of the spirit in the charismatic movement. But he was saying what we need next in order to establish this thing is a move of the Father's love. And we've had that. And so there's been a lot of talk about that in the last 20 years. Now, as Pentecostals, we are a Pentecostal charismatic church. As that, Pentecostals really love to emphasize that second element, the, the spirit coming upon us in power, that we walk in power. Whereas this one, this, the, the love of God, I, let me throw out a few scriptures for you to scratch down just to anchor this in scripture. One of the primary, or I would argue the primary responsibility of the spirit of God in your life is not to empower you for ministry as much as it is to root you and establish you in love. Romans 5, it's by the Spirit that the love of God is shed abroad in our heart. Romans 8, it's by the Spirit that we cry, Abba, Father. His love is revealed to us in Ephesians chapter 3. Paul said, I pray the Spirit would come upon you that you may know the magnitude of his love and that you may know this love that surpasses knowledge. You'll have an encounter with something that's beyond your ability to study yourself into. That love of God, the, the Holy Spirit comes to root and establish you in love. Okay, so we have the, the primary purpose of the, the Spirit of God is to root us. He is, that's why it's called the Spirit of adoption or the Spirit of sonship. He's to convince us that we are born as sons and daughters. We're not servants on the outside trying to get in. We are born as members of the family. Okay, that's the love of God. Then you have this other expression, the impartation of the spirit of power. Jesus said, Terry, and wait until you have received the gift of my Father. He's talking about the Holy Spirit of promise. The Father promised us the Holy Spirit. And he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so we have this empowerment. Now, underneath this power, we're not going to get into this other than just to say, underneath this umbrella of power, this element of the impartation from the Spirit, Underneath that, we have two expressions of this power. We have the internal power and the external power. We Pentecostals love to, love to talk about the external power. That's the power we give away in ministry. That's the power that comes on us to be bold in preaching, to heal the sick, to move in signs and wonders. And that's awesome. That's great. We need to, we need to contend for that. We need to go after that. But there is an internal power that is just as important that Paul alludes to in Romans 8 as well. He said, it's by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the flesh. So externally, the Holy Spirit comes on us for an external expression in ministry, but an internal expression for freedom from sin, for holiness. The power of the Spirit comes upon you to overcome sin. It's not so much that we're saying no to sin as we're saying yes to him. And that new life comes in and literally pushes the old life out. So the key to the successful, abundant, victorious Christian life is be ye filled and keep on being filled with the Spirit. Okay? So we have power, we have love. But the one that we probably talk about the least is the impartation of wisdom from the Holy Spirit. Under this heading, the Holy Spirit is known as the Spirit of Truth. He's the one, he's the teacher that Jesus gave us. Matter of fact, in, in prayer, we had a prayer meeting last night, and I was just praying, and I felt it all over again, just the, 
the, the yearning of the Spirit of God to impart wisdom to us. Jesus said this in his final hours with his disciples just before his rest. He said, guys, this is my awesome paraphrase, okay? He said, guys, there is so much more I longed to give to you. I have spent three years giving you everything I have, but I've had to hold back some of it because, and he says this, you could not bear it. Man, that, that stirs my heart. That God longs to give all he has to us, but he has to withhold it from us because we can't handle what he wants to give us. So then he adds this. He says, so I'm going to send my spirit, another like unto myself, and he will teach you all things. What he's saying is, I'm going to give you as a process what I wanted to give you as an event. I wanted to pull a dump truck up and just unload a whole load of revelation and bury you in it, but it would have killed you. You wouldn't have been able to handle what I wanted to give you, so I'm going to give it to you incrementally over a period of time, the Holy Spirit of truth that's going to teach you all things. That's what I want to focus on this morning. We've talked about the power of God, and we need to contend for that. We don't minimize that. The love of God, it's the foundation, and we'll never get away from that. That is the taproot of the Christian life. But we need to understand there's also this element of wisdom. Now, before we get into this whole thing on wisdom, let me say one more thing. It's interesting, all three of these expressions of the Spirit of God in our life come in two different manners. And it's not just isolated to these three gifts, if you will. I'm not, when I say gifts, I don't mean gifts of the Holy Spirit in the sense of 1 Corinthians 12 gifts, although you can find those gifts, the, these expressions bleeding through the gifts of the Spirit. For instance, wisdom comes through words of wisdom, words of knowledge, discerning of spirits. Power comes through miracles, healing. Uh, you know, th th so we see these expressions, okay? But you can, there's two avenues, if you will, by which God gives us these two things. And I want to say imparts, but I can't use that term because one of them is impartation. So there's two avenues by which God gives us wisdom, power, and love. It comes as an, an event of impartation or a process of cultivation. Okay, And we see each one of these three expressions, we see examples of both impartation and cultivation. Cultivation is the norm. In other words, you get it in, if you will, embryonic form. You get a, you get a measure and you cultivate that and you grow in wisdom. You grow in power. And make no mistake about it, you can cultivate the power of God in your life. As a matter of fact, you have to cultivate the power of God in your life, or you, if, if you don't, you will lose what you were given. You use it or lose it. And one of the ways to use it is you cultivate that. And you cultivate the love of God in your life. What you receive at your baptism is not all that God wants to give you. It's a deposit that we then cultivate into the more. Okay, all three of these have that expression, but they all three, we see examples in scripture where people have received an event, an impartation where it wasn't just 
an open door into a process where they can then begin to learn wisdom or they can receive power and begin to cultivate it or they receive the love of God and cultivate it. There, there are expressions where they got a mother load right out the front end. They still need to cultivate it. Uh, the one on wisdom, you can see it in the, with Solomon. Solomon prayed. He wanted wisdom. God said, what do you want? He said, I want wisdom. Is, this thing was in a dream, mind you. Okay, he has a dream. The Lord comes to him in a dream and says, what do you want? And he said, I want wisdom because I don't even know how to go out and come in. I don't know how to lead these people. And the Lord said, because you didn't ask for power or money or longevity of life, I'll give you all of it. And then if you begin to track it in Proverbs, one thing that comes with wisdom are those things, longevity, power, and money. That wisdom is the key. So Solomon was already pretty wise to ask for wisdom. And so God gave it to him. And he, it, this was in a dream, and he woke up the smartest guy that ever lived. Understand, you can have an encounter with God in a dream that absolutely changes you from that moment on. That you, what, what you experienced in a dream will affect your waking life. It's one of the ways in which God deals with his people. Randy, I quote Randy Bixby. I quoted Randy some time back. I remember Randy saying one time he was, he was praying for wisdom, and he said, I, I just need some wisdom. So he said, I pulled a blanket over me and asked for the dream stream and took a nap. I thought, man, I could do that. That's my kind of seeking right there. But there is. Ask God when you go to bed, Lord, I'm asking you to speak to me through dreams. Lord, minister to me. Scripture talks of our heart being awake even though we slumber. And so we can commune with God. Have you ever woke up praying, speaking in tongues? It's because your spirit can be engaged while your body gets its needed rest. I don't want my spirit to slumber. I want my spirit to be engaged. And so we have this impartation. We have a numerous impartations of power. Uh, people receiving tremendous power in their life. We have contemporary examples and biblical examples of people. And in fact, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an impartation of that power, that wisdom, and that love. And then we have people receiving that impartation of love. Jesus is the primary example. And so we need to ask God for those impartations, those events where God gives us an encounter where we get an impartation. But that doesn't negate the fact that it's always followed by a process of cultivation. So God can touch you. Matter of fact, there's stories. It's an interesting thing to me. I've observed, I've known people from all different walks of life, all different kinds of ministries. And I'll talk to some of these guys and some of these people had more encounters with God where, where God began to reveal himself to them before they were saved. It was like they began to have these visitations from Jesus and they all, these, all these crazy encounters. I think, Lord, what's the deal? Man, most of us pray and fast after we get saved and don't access what you began to reveal to them before they're saved. What, what is that? And it's because it's a sovereign call. What they receive by impartation, they can bring the rest of us into through inheritance by honoring what they carry. And so we can receive of those people. So whenever you meet somebody that's received an impartation, understand they carry something very real. And when you honor a prophet, because they're a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. What they received in contending with heaven, you get for free by honor. 
And you can receive those things from the Lord. And so always look for people who have those impartations and receive from them. It's, it's a valid thing. But it will not negate the fact that we've got to cultivate. There's a process of cultivation where we grow in our gifts. We grow in wisdom. We grow in love. We grow in power. And so we've got to be on that journey where we're asking the Lord to teach us. All right? Now, that was about a 15-minute introduction. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would speak to us. And Lord, more than just speaking to us, I ask that you would provoke our hearts to hunger. Make us hungry, Lord. And Lord, I ask that you would begin to visit us with wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. This thing of wisdom, it is crucial that we understand that there, is, there are things the Lord wants to impart to us. It's when Jesus said to his disciples, you, I wanted to give more to you, but you couldn't bear it. Literally, that word bear means to stand up under the weight of. There are things that God wants to show you that will create a reality. It, your reality, what you live in, was created by what you believe. There are people who live in a bigger world than you do because they see things that you don't see. But you have to have the character to handle it. That's why we have these words like instruction and information. Information means there's a formation on the inside of me that can bear the weight of the reality that information will release into my life. Instruction. It Revelation will create within me a structure that can handle the reality that God wants to release to me. God is a good father. He will not give to you what you cannot handle. Now, we do see things in Scripture that God is very empowering. And sometimes he will put us in the vicinity of things that we're like, whoa, Lord, you know, I don't know that we, that person has the maturity. But God entrusts his people. It's like he put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil right smack dab in the middle of the garden. Didn't put it off at the edge. He put it right there so they had to be confronted with a choice. But we see in Jesus' ministry this element of, the, uh, of knowledge that Jesus withholds from us until we can handle it. It's why we see this twin strategy all throughout the New Testament, we see these two phrases. On the one hand, we see the mysteries of the kingdom. On the other hand, we see this concept called revelation. The mysteries of the kingdom. We also have this phrase, the hidden wisdom of God. So we have God concealing things and revealing things. And it's part of the strategy by which he governs his universe. God hides things from us and he reveals things from us. And he responds to human hunger. Revelation happens by people crying out for wisdom and understanding. He said, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. So if you want to know more, you have to ask for more. Because your asking reveals a value system that can handle what he wants to show you. But if you don't care enough to ask, you don't have the internal value system to really steward what he's hiding from you. Does that make sense? Let me say it again. If you don't care enough to ask, 
then you do not possess the value system that will handle, that will steward what he longs to reveal to you. So one of the contingencies of you receiving the wisdom of God is you have to hunger enough to ask. And until then, he will keep it hidden from you. There is wisdom that God hides from his own children. We see this in, in Jesus' teaching. He would, he would teach and his disciples would come up and say, what in the world, what did you mean by that, Lord? What does this parable mean? And then the Lord would say, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom have been given to you. And they're like, really? <laughs> When's it going to dawn on us? Because we are clueless about what you just said. And then he would unpack it. And some people interpret that as, oh, God arbitrarily chooses some and and, and doesn't choose others. But that's not what's happening there. Everybody was clueless, but those who stuck around after the service and said, Jesus, what does that mean? It was to those, he said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom have been given to you. If you are hungry enough to ask, he will reveal. But you've got to be hungry. You've got to have the desire now, we've talked about this before, but I want to lay a groundwork because my hunch is we're going to go into this for a little while. This, this, uh, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught this little, this little paragraph there. It says, Ask, and ye shall receive. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and the door shall be open unto you. Jesus is talking about three graduated levels of request and three graduated levels of reward, okay? So the effort invested in the seeking is indicative of the value of what you receive at the end. So he says, seek and you shall find. That's low-lying fruit. And I would propose to you, Jesus is not merely talking about prayer in that passage because he has already talked about prayer in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, if, you, you know, if you're going to pray, pray in secret, fast in secret. He's already talked about that. He's talking about accessing the secrets to the kingdom. And he says, if any man hunger, or if any man seeks, then he shall find. So seek and you shall find. This level of revelation or wisdom is found in James chapter 1. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. It's all you have to do. It, until you ask, it remains out of your reach. But if you ask, God will open it to you, and he will give you revelation. The word revelation in the New Testament is apocalypto. It literally means to rip a blanket off of. It's covered, and it was intentionally covered by God. But God will reveal it to you, but he knows he can't give it to you until you have the character to handle it. And that first level of wisdom, which is low-lying fruit, it's not as valuable as the other two tiers. All, the only requirement is you ask. And asking reveals a value system that can handle that level of wisdom. So ask and you shall receive. The second is seek and ye shall find. This is indicative of a process. It's not just look and you will find. It's seeking. There's a process. You're seeking for it. Proverbs chapter 2 talks about this level of wisdom. It says, seek for wisdom, cry aloud for understanding, seek for it as for hidden treasure. So this is more valuable. It's valuable because it's like hidden treasure. And the, the precise reason it is hidden is because of its value. 
And so that is not just for the taking. And this is where we begin in, get into the process of revelation. And this is what we need to understand. The reason there's a process is that your seeking brings you into a process whereby God builds that internal structure within you. He literally creates a value system during the seeking process. So at the end of that process, when he reveals those things, you have become qualified to steward it once he releases it. And had you not entered into that seeking process, you wouldn't have the value system. And a lot of people, they, they, they park it right here. Well, I, I asked and I received. And then there were other things I asked for and God didn't show me. So I just, either, either they don't want to have to put in the effort or they think it's off limits and neither are true. Well, the one, if they don't want to put in the effort, that's true of them. But it doesn't need to disqualify them. What they need to do is stir up their hunger and understand that God is inviting them into a process of seeking and as they seek, God begins to build something in them. Often the most valuable things God will give you have come through a series, a process, a season of really seeking the Lord. And some of you, God has already awakened a hunger for specific things. There's things that are on your radar you've wondered about, you've, 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 you've had questions, and you've even you've begun to pursue it, and you think, oh, it's beyond me, and you give up. And I'm telling you, God is inviting you into a process that whereby he longs to show you more. And he's given you a spirit that will come alongside you and teach you precept on precept. There are revelatory seasons. Now, that sounds like a mystical term. Revelatory seasons. All that means is that there are seasons where God is emphasizing a specific truth to you. And everywhere you go, you're going to pick up little nuggets that, and you've got to learn to connect the dots. You'll turn on the radio and some radio preacher will make a comment. Then you'll, you'll pick up a magazine and they'll make a comment and they go together. And then you'll sit in church and lo and behold, the preacher, he must be hearing from God because he made a comment that, that fits with it. And everywhere you go, it's like all these, you are in a revelatory season begin to be aware of that and recognize that God the Holy Spirit is instructing you he's leading you into all truth but you've got to be hungry enough first to recognize it and then hungry enough to begin to tie those things together and ask God Lord help me to understand wow. there are things the Lord is wanting to show you uh, so many of us are living well below our inheritance. Do you understand that? There is a whole reality right beyond what we see. But because of what we fail to understand, it's invisible to us. There are others sitting in this room that see things that we don't. I'm not talking about in the spirit. I'm talking about you recognize dynamics. You recognize principles. You reckon one person looks at something, that's a problem. The other looks at it and says, oh, what a great opportunity. And it's because of what they do, do know or don't know. And God is inviting us in. And I just feel this yearning from God, this invitation. His hands are outstretched and he's saying, please, step into this thing. Some of you, God's already, you're, you've been walking along the path and you've been kicking up little glints. There's little nuggets of gold. And it's God's little gracious invitation to say, dig in deep. There are things under your feet I want to show you. Some of you are struggling with where you're at in life. 
and you're even struggling with offense towards God that he has allowed your life to go in that direction. But rather than asking him and saying, God, what's going on here? You just settle into offense as if God is to do everything for you. You are his son and his daughter and he's looking for cooperation. He's, he's inviting you into a revelatory process and saying, hey, if your life is not going right, it's not, the problem is not on his end. It's a lack of understanding on ours. That's not a condemnation. That's not a rebuke. But if you're blaming God for it, that is a loving pastoral rebuke. Because the problem is not on his end. It's on our lack of understanding. We perish for a lack of knowledge and the tragedy is we don't have to. God is inviting us into a process. And he's just saying, if you will ask, if you will seek and keep on seeking, I will reveal things to you. I will begin to unlock your life. We're like a person in a house, in a neighborhood, and all of a sudden, we've had a, we, maybe we had a, someone come out and do some electrical work on our house. Maybe we added some lights or something. And then that night, all of a sudden, poof. All the lights go out in our house, and all of our neighbors have their lights on, but instead of checking our fuse box, we call the, call the electrical company. This is my phone, by the way. <laughs> hey, my, my electrical went out. There's, there's a problem with the electrical plant, and they're saying, hey, the problem's not on our end. The power is getting right to the edge of your property. The problem's in your house. But instead of looking within our own house, we keep getting angry. We send angry emails to the electrical company blaming them for the problem that's in our own house. The presence, the power, the wisdom, the love of God is all coming towards us at great speed. But it stops at the boundary line of your understanding and you can only receive what you believe. And if you're not receiving what the Bible says, it's because there's a problem in your understanding. And rather than getting offended with God, begin to ask him, God, I know you're good. And I know you want me to understand this. So I'm asking, open the eyes of my understanding. And I'm telling you, if the answer doesn't come immediately, get excited. Because all that means is it's more valuable than the low-lying fruit that you could have got immediately. This is not a vent Wisdom. This is not something that's just going to come. And this is something more valuable. If you're not getting the answer right away, it's not because you're dumb. It's because God loves you enough to create a value system because he's about to unload some treasure on you. So stay in the fight. Stay in that fight. And then we have this last type of wisdom. It says, knock. And keep on knocking. What's it saying? It's saying this kind of wisdom is of supreme value. It is kept behind lock and key precisely because of its value. It's not just buried out in the ground. There's a vault. And Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that that vault is the heart of God himself. It talks about the unsearchable wisdom. Other wisdom is searchable. There, you can get in the Word and you can track it down. Some people even come to some of that knowledge through science and philosophy and just using their God-given intellect and brains. They can come into some of that wisdom. But this third level of wisdom, it is unsearchable. Literally in the Greek, it means there's no tracks. You can't, there, there's, there's nothing to find it. It is inaccessible outside of God's miraculous revelation. 
And it says that this wisdom is hidden within God himself. It's the hidden wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Many of you are familiar with the passage. It said, Had the rulers of this dark age known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. See, the enemy was lured in. Jesus was the bait and the cross was the hook. And Satan killed Jesus, swallowed him, and all of a sudden he had indigestion. Oh, that's not settling well. And God set the hook. And he defeated himself through his own cross. And 1 Corinthians chapter 2 refers to this as the hidden wisdom of God. He said, had the rulers of this dark age understood, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But God had it hidden. Here's the challenge. The wisdom that is hidden from the enemy, the wisdom that God is using to lure the enemy in to destroy his kingdom in your specific life, in our our shared life, that wisdom is not only hidden from the enemy, it's often hidden from us. And so the wisdom whereby it looks like Jesus was being sold by the Father, just, just turned over to the enemy by the Father, abandoned by the Father. That hidden wisdom, which seemed so devastating, and from all perspective, it's like there's, there's no reason God would allow that. At the last minute, God turned that thing around, and it was the hidden wisdom of God. That type of wisdom demands a level of maturity and trust and faith because often God won't let you in on it until it's over. It's the hidden wisdom of God. It's the strategies of heaven. It's the mysteries. It's the mysterion. A couple years ago, we did a series on the the wisdom of God, and I came across the understanding of this. The, The Greek word mystery is mysterion, and what it literally, the root word for it is war room. And what they would do is these Roman generals, it was t- from Roman Grecian military culture, it, was, it certainly wasn't isolated to those cultures, but what they would do is they would gather intel from their people in the front lines, their spies and so forth, and then they would, they would gather all of that into a, a secret room where there would be only a few generals and they would hammer out a strategy. This is how we're going to overtake the enemy. Then they would seal those strategies into a leather satchel with a wax seal and they would send it to the front lines. And those soldiers, the, the army would be awaiting, not knowing why they're there, not knowing what the strategy was. They just had to be in the right place at the right time to receive the orders. And if it arrived broken, they would tear the the plans up and go back to the drawing board. Because those strategies were so valuable to the expansion of their king and their kingdom that they couldn't jeopardize it getting in the wrong hands. That's why nobody's eyes could see it except those in the war room. And that is the root word of what we hear of the mysterion, the mysteries of the kingdom. It's where it says it's hidden within God himself. It's the hidden wisdom of God. God has a strategy, but it takes a special type of believer that will walk into situations and it feels like you've been abandoned and it's like, Lord, what's going on? You have better be rooted in the love of God. Because when you get in those situations, there's this accusation that rises up in God. Why would you allow this? And we disengage and we step back. When God needs a people that will go places when they don't understand. I remember discussing this principle with Bob Phillips. And Bob was sharing with me that he had a a, a sub-commander in one of the churches he pastored. 
And he said the subcommander said they'll get coordinates and they'll have to go sit out in the middle of the Atlantic, the Pacific Ocean. They'll just sit there for a few days not knowing why they're there. And then they'll receive their orders. But it's not until they get positioned into the right place do they get the revelation. And it's a beautiful picture of the strategy of God. We are under authority. We trust the wisdom of our commander. And he'll send us into situations we don't understand. And it looks like it's not good. But when we trust him, he can position us right where we need to be to execute his orders. And the people that refuse to go before they know never receive the revelation. He needs people that are willing to bend their neck and say, God, I trust you. And God wants to give that level of wisdom to us. But I'm telling you, that is a long process where God forges something in you. That it's, you've got to be able to trust him. And the first step is to ask and receive. And the second step is seek and you shall find. And God builds upon that to bring us into that str the strategic purposes of heaven. I'm telling you this morning, there's an invitation from God. Some of you are frustrated with where you're at, and the Lord is inviting you in. Ask me. Seek, and you shall find. Understand it's not an event, it's a process, precisely because of the value of what he wants to give you. And he's building something in you in the process. Let's go ahead and stand. Let's go ahead and close our eyes. I want us to stand before the Lord for a moment. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your wisdom. Lord, we thank you for your wisdom, power, and love. But Lord, we want wisdom. We don't want power to deliver us from what wisdom would have avoided. We're not asking to be delivered by power from what wisdom would have avoided in the first place. Give us wisdom. Give us wisdom. When every head bowed, I just felt it this morning that there's some of you have been frustrated with God. There's been an offense. And you're, if that's you this morning, I'm not going to make you come forward, but I, I just want you to acknowledge it that you're saying, I've, I've been frustrated. And I realize rather than asking God for answers, I've accused him. And I'm willing to deal with that this morning. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. You've been frustrated against the Lord. Amen. Amen. Yeah, God's good. It's not that he's here to rebuke us this morning. He's here to deliver us. He wants to show you that he wants to show you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, I just bless those that raise their hand. Lord, I thank you for their honesty. Holy Spirit, come. Begin to settle on them and reveal to them what you want them to see. Lord, I ask that you'd invite them into those revelatory seasons where everywhere they go, they pick up a piece to the puzzle. Lord, I ask for a, an awareness that you're weaving things to teach them. And Lord, I'm asking God that you would bring us in as a body, as a church, into the wisdom of God. Lord, we thank you that in your word, the people were amazed at your power, but they were also amazed at your teaching. Lord, we thank you for the outpouring of power we've experienced. Lord, amaze us with your wisdom. Yes. Hallelujah.
Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com give.